Well, Merry Christmas. Congratulations to those of you in the room. You've created a traffic jam on Long Point Road. Uh, we're glad you're here. Glad you're here if you're watching online, joining us uh, at one of our campuses. What a great Christmas it's been. And uh, I, I know that for many of you, you are here because it's part of your regular rhythm and routine. And I imagine for some of you, you're a little out of your comfort zone right now uh, being here. And no matter who you are or where you came from, we're glad you're here. And we believe that God wants to speak to you this week. I have a question for you as we get started, and it's this. What are you expecting this Christmas? What are your expectations coming into this Christmas? Maybe you're like my 10-year-old daughter, Ellie, who in August, she gave me a list that was very clear and she knows what she wants for Christmas. I mean, she knows. Maybe you're more like me. Sometimes I, I don't know really what I want. I know I want something, but I'm not exactly sure what it is that I want or need. But what are you expecting? What are you expecting from God this Christmas? About seven years ago, our family uh, had done really well for several years up to that point uh, with no animals in our home. And that year, for some reason, the kids decided what we want this Christmas is a puppy. And they broke the lines of unity in my marriage, and they got my wife over to their side. And now, all of a sudden, the entire family was like, this is what we want. We want a puppy. And I thought to myself, you know what, Josh, you're the man of the home. You're a leader. And this is a moment. We're going to draw a line in the sand. We do not need a puppy in our home. Today, we have two dogs, just in case you were wondering <laughs> how that's worked out for me. But I'll never forget that Christmas morning, 2016, and there was just so much anticipation and excitement in the air. The kids woke up, and we did our normal routine. What we do is go down, and we uh, read the Christmas story together, and then we say a prayer, and then we open gifts and share gifts with each other. And each of the kids had opened their gifts, and each of them had been grateful for the things that they received, but no sign of a puppy. And at the very end, there was one more gift, and it had all three kids' name on it. So the, this was a gift for all three of them. And so they came over, and they surrounded this present, and they opened it up. There's so much excitement, so much anticipation for what was to come. And in the gift was a bowl and one of these guys. You guys know what these are, right? Little dog fetcher thing. And so they're like, oh, okay, Dad, this is wonderful. What do you want me to do with this? Miles is like, I can go play fetch with the girls in the yard, but this is not what we had in mind. And we just kind of left it there. I hope you guys like it. Time for breakfast. And so we all came in and ate breakfast together. And you could kind of sense a little bit of that disappointment, a little bit of the expectation and anticipation was starting to wane. But we're almost done with breakfast and the doorbell rings. And so the kids run out to the door and they run out to the porch. Mom, dad, get out here. There's a gift out here. And so we get out there and sure enough, there's a massive box on the front porch. And so they surround that thing and they're like, wait, wait, wait for our cue. And we're like, you guys can open it. And so they rip into this thing and it's a dog kennel. And inside of this dog kennel is a puppy, a stuffed animal puppy. <laughs> I'm telling you. I will never forget the look that my son gave me after he looked into that kennel. In fact, I've got it for you. He cut his eyes. He walked past me like, what kind of dad are you? 
You could just see it. He didn't say it, but he was thinking, I hope you will start a counseling center one day so kids like me can process dads like you <laughs> with somebody who knows what they're doing. He was so upset. And, uh, and, and he walks into the house. And you know, the, the look on his face, the disappointment, it reminds me of this scripture that I want to share with you, which says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's what I saw on his face. And you know what that feels like, don't you? You know, some of us are feeling that feeling right now. Hope deferred. You had hoped that that relationship would turn out differently. You know, there was a moment when you were on that first date or maybe even standing at the altar that you had hopes and dreams for the relationship. And right now, it just doesn't feel that way. It's moved in a different direction. Some of you have put your hopes in your career or maybe a new job that you got and you landed the job, but then you got there and it turned out there were people there and you don't like them and it's not working out <laughs> like you hoped it would. You know, I have a lot of friends and some of you are here today that this year you had hoped beyond hope that God would heal your loved one, that that situation would turn out differently. And it didn't turn out the way that you hoped that it would. And you're here and you're singing the Christmas carols and you're doing the Christmas thing, but there's a heaviness, right? It just feels different this year. Because hope deferred, it does. It makes the heart sick. But there's something about the story that I had with the kids that allowed me as a father to endure those looks and that, those moments. And the reality is, is that I knew something about their future that they didn't know. I knew something was coming in their life that they didn't know. And I want to encourage you today that the God of the universe sees into your future some things that you may not see yet. There's reason for hope. So Miles cuts his eyes at me and walks past me and goes into the house like, done, I'm finished with this. I'm not playing your stupid game anymore. And as he walks into the house, the inside door from the garage opens up. And of course, this little 12-week-old puppy comes stumbling down the hallway and kind of runs into Miles' arms. And so he finally got his puppy. And you can see the difference on his face. You know, he cheered up pretty quickly after that, and it was just an incredible moment that we had, and I'll never forget the look of joy and the look of, of just excitement. And, and that look is actually the same verse that I just shared with you. It's just the end of that verse. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, when we put our hope in something and that hope is fulfilled, when we put our hope in the right thing, we experience something that is so life-giving, so amazing. And my prayer for every single one of us who are gathered today is that we would experience that side of the verse this Christmas, that we would experience a longing fulfilled. So I go back to that original question. What are you expecting? What are your expectations this Christmas. You know, the Christmas story is laced with expectations. You got to think Mary and Joseph, right? They were expecting a baby. They had hopes and visions for what that would look like. And I promise you, it probably didn't include the baby being placed in a manger. It probably didn't include them not having any room in their family home. So they had to go in the front room, which is where all of the animals would sleep. And it looks good in our nativity scenes, but it had to be a pretty chaotic scene for them. The shepherds, of course, had hope, and really all of Israel had hope. They had been hoping and praying for this Messiah for hundreds of years. So what are you expecting today? 
I hope you're expecting something from God because it would be a shame to come into the presence of a generous king and not have any expectations. And I believe there's one thing that each of us can expect, whether you are here for the first time or whether you've been doing this for a long time, because it's the very thing that I believe Christmas represents the most, and that is that we can all come asking God and expecting from God the gift of hope. See, I believe because of Christmas, we can have hope. We can have hope that the past isn't the final word. We can have hope that God is doing something new. And we can have hope that in spite of our weaknesses, that God wants to use us as a part of his redemption story. So let's jump into it. We can have hope that the past isn't the final word. I want to look at the story through the lens of a guy named Simeon. Simeon was a guy, we don't know a whole lot about him. He shows up, not in the original Christmas scene, but about a week and a half, two weeks later, when Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus to the temple, and, and we find this guy, Simeon, and, and here's, here's what happens, Luke chapter 2, verses 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? We don't use a phrase like that very often. What it boils down to is he was waiting for the same thing that all of Israel had been waiting for. He was hoping for the redemption of their story. And you know, all of our stories need redemption. But Israel, man, they had been praying for a long, long time. In fact, when you read your Bibles, you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There's one blank page in the middle. That blank page represents about 400 years where God had been silent. His people had been praying. They had been waiting for the consolation of Israel for God to redeem them, but God had done nothing. The history books tell us that during those 400 years, Israel was under the occupation of several foreign governments, and at the current moment, it was the government of Rome. And so they were living in Israel, but they weren't free. They had the illusion of freedom, but really they were living in bondage. In fact, every year they would do their version of the 4th of July, their Declaration of Independence. It was the Passover celebration, and they would all travel to Jerusalem and Rome just because they wanted them to know, hey, you're still under our thumb. They would have three Jews hanging from a cross every year at Passover. See, they were in bondage. The prayer that Simeon was praying is the same prayer that his dad had prayed, that his grandfather had prayed, that his great-grandfather had prayed, and they had all gone to their grave and not seen it fulfilled. Listen, I'm a Cubs fan. I know anybody can have a bad century every once in a while, right? But we're talking about 400 years. We're talking about a lot of disappointment, a lot of hope deferred. But because of Christmas, because of the promised Messiah, Simeon knew that the past doesn't have the final word, even if the past has decades or even centuries of baggage associated with it. Our family gathered together on Thanksgiving. It's the first time in over 20 years that this particular part of our family had come together. The last time we were all in a room together was at Lisa's sister's funeral. She had died in a plane crash in the late 90s, and so we had not gathered together with this particular group in a long, long time. And part of why we hadn't is that everybody kind of is scattered around the East Coast, and, but we were like, we want to get the family together. 
And so we did. We moved heaven and earth, and we all came here to Charleston. And we knew it was going to be hard. Uh, we knew particularly there was one member of our family whom we all loved, but life had been particularly hard on him. And part of his coping mechanisms had led him into a place of bondage, of addiction, 20 plus years. But we were like, you know what? It's worth it. We're all going to come together and it's going to be great. And it was. We had a great time. We celebrated Thanksgiving. We stayed up way too late most nights telling stories and talking about really God's hand in our family and how God had turned what was a really terrible situation with Lisa's sister's death and used it to bring us closer together. And that one particular family member had gone the entire four days without using, at least that's what we thought. On the day they left, one hour after they left the house, we get a phone call. And it was, this family member had had a seizure on the way home, a really, really bad one, to the point that they weren't sure if he was going to make it. They were working on him, resuscitating him on the highway and rushing him to the hospital. And they said, just somebody pray, somebody pray. And so we gathered together as a family. We prayed and we didn't know what was going on. Our assumption was it was probably related to drug use, potentially an overdose. Well, what we would find out over the next couple of days is that it wasn't, in fact, related to that. It was the opposite. This was the first four-day stretch that this family member had had in a long, long time without using drugs. And so his body went into detox and it caused him to have a seizure. But they were able to save his life. And they got him to a hospital. And that four days of sobriety is now 40 days of sobriety today. And God is redeeming the story. And I just want to encourage you. I don't know what your past looks like. I don't know what you've been praying for, what you've been holding out for, where your story needs redemption. But because of Christmas, because Jesus came, the past does not have the final word in our story. The second thing I know is that we can have hope that God is doing something new. God is doing something new. See, all of Israel was praying for redemption, but they didn't see it coming the way that God was going to do it. Let's go back to the story with Simeon. Verse 26 says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple forts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He says, I can, I can die now. Why? Because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. See, here's what you have to know about the people of Israel. They were longing. They were crying out for redemption, for God to save them. But they had a, an idea of what that was going to look like. Now, we know now you can look back into the Old Testament and see the prophecies that were calling for this baby. But most of them are praying for God to redeem Israel. But they wanted it to look like what it had looked like in the past. In the past, redemption looked like a guy named Moses, right? We need a leader like Moses to come and part the Red Sea and get us out of slavery. Or maybe it'll look like David, who's going to come and take over the government, and he's going to lead well and lead us to victory over our enemies. But nobody was expecting a baby. But Simeon, because he was filled with the presence of God, because he was 
his ear was tuned to heaven, he realized that just because God was moving in a different way didn't mean that God wasn't moving. And he sees him show up in the form of a baby. Nobody would have predicted that redemption was going to look like a, a baby born in a humble manger. We sang about it, the manger throne, that he would come from Bethlehem, be raised in Nazareth, that he would grow up and live a, a, a perfect life, a sinless life, but ultimately he would be one of those men hanging on a cross on Passover. Nobody would have predicted redemption would look like that, but that's exactly what God did. He sent his son to live a life that we couldn't live and to pay a price that we couldn't pay for our sin so that we could experience freedom. And what I love about that is that God is limitless in his ways of redeeming your story. Again, I don't know where your story needs redemption. Some of us are, are praying for an answer, and, and it just looks like it. We certainly didn't think the answer to our prayer for our loved one was going to look like a seizure on the side of the road. But because our God is who he is, that, that means that all things in our life can be worked out for our good and for his glory for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And I love the fact that we serve an omniscient God. Our founding pastor, my dad, always says, if, if we serve an omniscient God, that means that there's never been a day that God woke up and thought, I never saw that coming. Like, he's never been caught flat-footed. That means that whatever problem that you're dealing with, he's already been at work on a, a solution to that problem before you even knew there was a problem. He's doing a new thing. He's redeeming our stories. He's been doing it from the beginning of time, and he's still doing it today. And the last thing that I know that we can have hope for this Christmas is that God wants to use us as a part of his redemption story. I love that he included Simeon. You know, he didn't have to. We don't know anything about this guy. We don't know where he's from. We don't know his story. And he goes from a guy who is praying for the consolation of Israel. He's praying, God, redeem us, do something. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself right there in the middle of the Christmas story, not just watching it, but participating in it, actually being involved in the redemption of mankind. It says, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This guy goes from an anonymous child of Israel praying for redemption to being right in the middle of the story. And it's a lot can be said about what he said there, but let me sum it up for you this way. He says, many will rise and many will fall because of Jesus. In other words, this child, this Messiah, this Savior is gonna put every one of us in human history at a decision point. And those of us that say, you know what, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna let my pride be in the driver's seat. I'm gonna figure this thing out on my own. Ultimately, it's gonna lead us to fall, to hope deferred. But if we would be humble, if we would acknowledge that we are people who have sinned and fallen short of the glory and goodness of God, that we need a savior, if we'll bow low and say, you know what? I need somewhere else to put my hope because I can't put it in myself. 
I certainly can't put it in other people. So I'm gonna choose to humble myself and put my hope in this baby, in this child. Again, who would grow up to die for our sins, that he will lift us up. The Bible says over and over, Old Testament, New Testament, if we'll humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, that he will lift us up. Where are you putting your hope? Where are you putting your hope? There's no person that can handle your hope. They're not. They, they're going to disappoint you. I love and grateful for the people that God has put in my life, but there are needs that I have as a human being that they can't meet. And it would be foolish of me to put that expectation on them because it will disappoint me and it will hurt them. Success. Listen, there's, there's no amount of success that will satisfy that longing that you have in your soul. You just say, it won't. There's only one place that can be trusted with our hope, and that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray together? I feel led as we go into this time of prayer that there may be some of us that are here today that you just want to put your hope in Jesus today. Maybe you've never done that before. You've constantly been trying to figure out how to make this thing work on your own, and today is your moment to humble yourself and put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you have followed Jesus in the past, but the reality is that the way that you've been living your life would indicate that your hope is not in him. You've been trying to seek out hope in all these other areas. And so whether you're here in this room, whether you are in one of our overflow locations or one of our campuses, maybe you're online, I wanna give you an opportunity today to put your hope in Jesus. If that's you, you say, Josh, I, wanna, I want you to pray for me. I want to put my hope in Jesus. In this moment where every head is bowed, every eye is closed, would you just raise your hand real quick? I want to just see you and pray for you today. Okay, awesome. All throughout this place, just raise your hand. Yeah. Looking up in the very top level up there. I see you up there. Just, I want to put my hope in Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. And as I do, I want to encourage you to pray as well. And position your heart to put your hope in him. God, we thank you. Lord, you know that we're coming into this place with baggage, with the past, with stuff. God, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Lord, today we want to stop putting our trust in our own ability to get more right than wrong. God, we're taking our hope out of a relationship, out of some version of success. And Lord, today we're declaring that we put our hope in you. We want to receive the free gift of salvation, Jesus, that you came to offer. Lord, we know that you lived a perfect life. We know that you paid this price for our sin that we can't pay ourselves. So today we're putting our hope in you and we're giving our life to you. Now, God, we're asking you not only to save us, but would you give us purpose? Would you give us meaning? God, would you choose to use even us with all of our flaws to be a part of your redemption story and those people around us that you've called us to reach? God, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you, Jesus, that you came. Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. I thank you, Lord, that even in the most difficult circumstances, you've promised us your presence every step of the way. 
So God, we invite you to continue to speak, to continue to move, and to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.